the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We're at episode 449, maybe. Uh, Bill Bennett is our guest today. Welcome along, Bill. Hi, Paul. Great, great to see you. 450, eh? Almost. Yeah, we're, uh, we're slowly, slowly, uh, slowly moving forward. Lots going on in the tech world this week, Bill. Both of us have been, uh, I guess, in the mainstream media chatting about all, all sorts of things from human brain computer interfaces to uh, very, very other things uh, I was going on over the last few 5G days. 5G yesterday. 5G, yes. yeah. Yep, yep. So there's, I mean, there's, I don't think there's ever going to be any let up, is there? Technology just is involved with absolutely everything today there's very little that you can say is, is has no um yeah no crossover into the into the technology world we've got chris quinn coming up from uh, food stuffs on an on episode soon to talk about how uh, how technology sort of you know crosses into uh, into their world uh but yeah wherever i look there's something uh, something new happening uh, on the technology front it's so. pretty mainstream as well I mean, one of the things i have to do is i have to be quite disciplined about not getting dragged into things that are not core technology so um, I try for example not to get into writing too many stories about things like Facebook which is no longer really a tech story anymore it's something else um, whereas I, I find all those all those things out uh, you know that, that have you know, some some relation to technology yeah. uh, interesting and social media and all these sort of uh, sort of things but well let's jump into it anyway because there is there's lots lots to get through Um Netflix, they've had their first sort of round of negative results, which uh, has seemed to sort of sends the uh, uh, shareholders sort of um, you know running running for cover in a way because you know I think with a, a lot of uh, these types of uh, firms where you kind of think maybe the sky's the limit that they're just going to keep growing and keep growing and certainly that's that's often when you look at their market caps uh, they're, they're such that there's expectation they're just going to keep growing for uh, for a very very long time and uh, you know I think probably um, these these things there can be uh, bumps on the road and uh, and and sometimes businesses will uh, will slow down uh, quicker than uh, than some might have been expecting and of course we look at the streaming video space it's becoming increasingly fragmented. Well, it's not that's ex- you know, just that's Netflix's exactly domain it, but, anymore, right? The, the Netflix model could be collapsing in front of our eyes because Netflix is basically an aggregator of content, and it's de-aggregating. The whole thing, the market is de-aggregating. And I was actually thinking about that from a different perspective, and that is, is that you, you sometimes hear talk of the fangs, you know, the big companies, the Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google. and Google. Um, the fangs and um, Netflix is the one company in that group which is vulnerable because it's it's the one company which is a one trick pony all the other companies have multiple streams of business that's right that's where Blackberry fell fell over yeah yeah they, they didn't they did I mean this this they're, well, they're still going but they became a shadow of the former self because everything was in on people buying the Blackberry phone and the associated software that, yeah, that, that goes with it a bit vulnerable in, in the same way, but but Netflix is the most vulnerable because mm. it's the most mm. you know it's the it's the most focused of them if you like on mm. one on one area, mm. and that area is going. Basically, the studios don't want Netflix to have all their good content anymore; they want to sell it themselves. 
but from a, as, as a consumer, well, the other thing about Netflix that gets me is that it's too cheap. It's 15 bucks a month, I think. Is that right? It, it is slowly, the prices have slowly in, increased in, in recent times. But that's I, a but lot of content for, I mean, and even though, I mean, I go to I go to Netflix and I think it's 57 channels and nothing on. I, I flick through the list. I think I don't want to watch this Spanish drama. I don't want to watch that Korean thing and so on. And when you actually boil it down, it's about six things on Netflix at any time that are you know, worth, actually worth watching. That's still six shows you know? yeah I mean there probably is more but could, but can you find it yeah, how you, good are the algorithms well, to bubble it to the top I quite enjoy seeing uh, Netflix when I'm visiting a friend's place uh, you know particularly if they're very good at sort of finding more uh, unique types of content and I've got a, a particular friend who's been on the show Jason uh, Hosking who's who's very good and you know he'd come up with these docos and things oh Paul have you seen this and that and uh, you know it's, it's somebody else's where the algorithm's different they've watched different content yeah. Will bring a whole lot of different things well, to the my, my forefront. My wife likes fantasy, and I don't. I just can't. I don't watch science fiction. I don't watch fantasy. Right, right. Joe does, so it surfaces things that I'm just not interested in. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so there is that. But anyway, get, that's getting away from the problem with Netflix. The problem with Netflix is that the the big studios, particularly the likes of Disney, want to do their own thing. Of course. Well, the problem from with that is is that consumers like you know all of us we really don't want to be having 16 different subscriptions different services and with some of those services some of those studios they might only be one show in their stable that you're interested in are you going to be willing to pay 10 15 bucks a month to watch one season of one show when you can you know it's so there's so we're moving away from that sort of netflix smorgasbord model towards the um you know the gourmet sandwich model perhaps that's netflix is probably going to have to change but what i can see is i can see an opportunity for someone who can somehow aggregate content in a, in, a, in a way where you get to pick and choose. Well, that's what we've seen with Amazon. And, if, and, and in fact, last week we were talking about uh, HB, HBO, uh, what are they calling it? Not HBO Go, HBO Max maybe. Um, but, you know, I subscribe uh, because I have an, an American uh, subscription uh, to Amazon Prime. So I have the Amazon Prime and that's kind of the, that's the, that's the, um, the app I use. And then I get access to what's within that, which is a Netflix style catalog. But I also get access to the um, HBO catalogue because I've signed up for that I've got Showtime because at some point I've signed up for something there and there's this interesting piece there if you're not watching your um, your bills and you're maybe a little you know a little bit relaxed you know you end up paying for a whole lot of services now do I need uh, Lightbox Amazon all of you know, all of these different well, things at once. Maybe not, uh, but you end up and you know stacking them right. up, and, and what, before and you know it, you're, you uh, end up paying a monthly subscription for something you haven't watched for three months. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Well, there's, it's not just in that kind of content. I mean, I was thinking exactly the same thing last week when Spark did the announce about their Spark Sport. That hmm. I'm a Premier League fan. I, I watch the English Premier League. Right, my team's Chelsea. We're playing in the um, the Premier League, obviously. We play in the Cups, the FA Cup, and we play in the Champions League. At the moment, three different services have those rights because the because the rights are fragmented. Mm. So, in order to get 
all my team's games. I've actually got to subscribe to three different services. And that's How do you start- feel about that, Bill? Well, it's, it's expensive. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's expensive. I'd much rather, even if, even if, it's not really so much about the money even, it's about actually managing the subscriptions because... And, and the simplicity of finding the content you want. There's, I mean, the, well, the, 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 the opening week of yeah. the Cricket World Cup, which yeah. is the other thing that I'm obsessed with watching uh my fan pass subscription timed out there's no warning it just timed out and it timed out for all sorts of reasons but the the issue here is is that managing your online subscriptions my my word you have the same problem with um apps and and online subscriptions there that it's starting to become a full-time job just managing you know all those subscriptions yeah and, so on. and you think of that in the business context yeah. too of course you know businesses have to get very smart around how they manage things because yeah. people come and go somebody asks for this and that and before before you know it uh, you know if you don't have a good way of managing it you uh, well, you, know, you, you get some su- surprises as uh, there's a uh, there's a business opportunity for someone to, to find some way of managing these things um, I predict that's going to be you know a big deal quite soon to be able to manage your online subscriptions. Um, but as for Netflix, hmm, I think Netflix's um, time at the top table may be coming to an end. The other thing is that Netflix has had a few misses as well with its own content. So um, that would be part of it, I'd imagine. Mm, mm. Well, it's, it's, pretty, it's, yeah, it's pretty hard to get <laughs> this stuff right all, all the time, isn't it? So, um, yeah, I th- look, I think it's, it's going to be... Uh, um, a lot of change ahead in that uh, the video uh, streaming front over the over the next few years. Uh, we've got uh, some news coming up. I think this week from uh, from Sky, they've they've got an announcement to uh, to make on their sport front. So you know, locally, we're getting that that competition between uh, between Spark and uh, and Sky. Um, but yeah, obviously, you know, both companies also streaming, um, you know, other content in terms of you know film and film and TV, um, and no, no doubt we will see more coming into the market from the international front. Uh, you know, becoming available. Spark's trying to find a partner for Lightbox, which tells you that that's not, you know, that's not. As it maybe as maybe it should be. Um, on on that front, uh, they've sent Spark sent out an, an email uh, in the last uh, last few days about their more pork uh, yes. service, which yeah. is was was interesting, and they've uh, they've sold sold that off to uh, ADT the security folks, which is interesting, and I you know I guess what's valuable in there. Is the customer base rather than? I mean, there's obviously some value in in those who are already subscribed to the service because it's a recurring revenue uh, type model. Um, but of course, Spark were white labeling. Uh, I think the Alarm dot com product out of the US with that uh, anyway. So it wasn't sort of a you know a, a, a I mean a unique o- a, a unique offering yeah. in the New Zealand market. It was something in the US that had been you know rebranded and they'd managed to use their um, uh, you know I guess customer base what you know what have you their their, their uh, channels uh, to build a customer base but uh, yeah, not not maybe not valuable enough for them to want to uh, want to continue with well, between that and Lightbox it tells you that Spark's transition from being a, a telco into being a sell, selling digital services it's not an easy transition 
it's not smooth and it's um it's there's going to be more of this along the way I mean, what i like though is that they're, they're doing it they're, they're yeah. getting out there they're doing you know new things they're they're trying uh looking for those opportunities and some of it will naturally do do better than well, than good. others if and you it's, don't it's have failed they're not trying hard enough exactly yeah yeah, so um, so pleasing. Now, um, uh, talking of um, you know trying new things and so on, uh, e- Elon Musk and uh, Neuralink, uh, both in the in the in the media in the in the last few days. Now, we we talked about them. I'm, I'm guessing. Uh, 12 to 18, 18 months ago with uh, Neuralink and, you know, this idea of um, what's, what's, what's the term, the um, uh, neurological uh, th- it's something threads like, that would, uh, you know, connect your brain yeah, up to so It's a hundred uh, or so um, probes that will go fit in parts of your brain. Look, the thing about Elon Musk is he doesn't only look like a Bond villain. He starts to sound like one whenever he talks about these things. <laughs> but there's a couple of things to say about this. Oh, but Bill, it's as safe and painless as laser eye surgery. Yeah, right. But here's the thing, right? <laughs> Elon Musk, Tesla, Tesla aside, just about everything else he's come up with has been has looked science fictiony and wonderful when he does the initial presentation. And you know something? They rarely deliver on the hype, right? Which is, you know, he's a showman. He's, a, he's the Edison of our age yes, in, yes. in that sense. Um, the thing about this is, is that it's being sold initially. The, the, the project originally started and it came about as a way of helping people with disabilities uh, who, who you know, may have trouble with their... Um, you know, moving things and so on. And that makes a fair bit of sense. It's a wonderful thing from that point of view. It's, it's a wonderful thing. But the moment you get Elon Musk involved, it starts to get into that kind of Iron Man, Cyberman, you know, man, in, man, people becoming computers, people becoming robots thing. It's just terrifying, that, that side of it. When, so, when, do you, when do you think we will see Elon with an interface attached to the side of his head and chips and implanted under his skin because that's that's the indicator that he's he's bought in this beyond you know being an investor and so yeah. on. Do, do you think he's happy to have his? Um, he wants to die on Mars. <laughs> so, um, so does he want to die on Mars as a robot? Um, the, th- the thing is. is that there's, there's it, it is very sci-fi, isn't it? I mean, yeah, there's all sorts of jokes and fun that's, stuff that's you, part can, of his you can marketing. do with this. His marketing is to riff on sci-fi, um, you know, vibes. Uh, um, the thing is, is that it's always sort of vaguely dystopian. I mean, I can't... I, I think the disability stuff is fabulous, right? And if I was... If I had that kind of disability, I'd be thrilled to bits at the idea of this coming. Um... But, you know, for the rest of us, I can't help but think of Cybermen or the Borg or any of those sort of dystopian science fiction ideas. And if it was anyone other than Elon Musk, I probably wouldn't be quite so worried about it. But, you know, there's just that sort of slightly scary um, Bond villainy kind of vibe about the man. Well, do you think I'm being unfair there? Um... Yeah, look, I mean, it, it's so hard with the, the, these sorts of folks. And for, you know, for for me with Elon, he, you know, 
clearly is very smart. He's you know uh, uh, quite capable at getting people. Um, you know, following him in a very uh, well, a sort of a Steve Jobs yeah. type, type, you know, way where uh, you know people will hang on on everything he does, and you know, in some ways that's that's understandable because of the the, the nature of of the things he's doing. Um, yeah, and and in terms of yeah, how much you would trust him, well. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, certainly when it, when it comes to him talking about timings of when things will happen, he's talking about the few, first the few te- first tests on humans um, by the end of uh, end of next year. I wonder who uh, you know. How do you sign people up for that? How much do you have to pay them? Will it be in America or will that happen in some other uh, country where you can't be uh, sued and so on? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah th- th- I mean, there's all sorts of things. But well, look, I believe I. I believe enough in some of the things that he's doing um, to have taken an interest in where the cars are going and the autonomous tech, but I still am um, somewhat sceptical about you know how how the pace at which that will be yeah, well, uh, developed. I think it's, it's probably worth at some point going back and looking at pronouncements about Hyperloop and trips to Mars and so on, his timings on those things. That's right. There's, yeah. there's, there's lots, of, lots of examples that uh, uh, he's more than optimistic, shall we say? Um, well, at least but, he's but, doing interesting stuff, Paul. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, to that extent, we you know we will be talking a little bit on the show, um, you know, from sometime in August uh, onwards around uh, you know a bit more around the experiences with with the vehicles. Yeah, um, because I have one um, on order. I think we talked about this maybe oh, a long time ago. It's probably two and a half years or more that uh, we, you know, I jumped in the uh, the queue for the, the Model 3 which launches in uh, New Zealand next month. It takes to get a car out so how long <laughs> do you think it's going to get a human computer interface out? Um, I, the, the other thing that I should mention is when I started as writing about technology, the very one of the very first jobs I went on was in 1981 and they told me that next year we will stop using keyboards and we'll all be talking to computers and that's taken almost 40 years. And we're just about at that point, 40 years later. So, you know, the, the thing is, it's the, the thing is, it's that old cliche about the future's already here. It's just not evenly distributed. Well, that's what happens with these projections. Some of these things turn up much faster than we expected. The internet came, developed much faster than was initially expected. Mm. Some other things happen much slower. I think fixing human brains to computers is going to be a bit slower. I think it depends to what extent you you go to. If they've already you know, tested this on monkeys and so on, yeah. there's probably a level to which well, that could be done today, but then it comes down to, well, how useful is yeah. it? And it's likely to be... Uh, yeah, many times better than the wearable type things that you can yeah, you can wear, and I've tried those and and uh, yeah, not not found them to be particularly exciting. But I think yeah, if you tap in a bit deeper, that's going to be fairly impressive. But is it mainstream? Is it really going to be relevant to a, a broad range of people? Um, it doesn't need to be mainstream if it's helping. Yeah, certain people. You mentioned disabled. Uh, yeah, people disabled in some way. Uh, if, if it's going to give the, offer a you know um, a better life, and they can cope with the 
concerns, risks, etc., of having computer tapped into into your head, then um, okay, we'll we'll see. The other thing that scares me about anything like that, and it, it scares me even about the stories about people having chips planted in their wrists, you know, and so on, is that. These technologies update every six months. <laughs> Do you want surgeons going in every six months putting new stuff in? I don't know. It depends how up to date you want to be, Bill. It depends how hackable it is, whether somebody can tap to... into what's under your under your skin and uh, make your blood boil. Or, I don't uh, want to go to do, the do, dentist do, do every other six months. Things. I don't want to, you know, let alone have surgery. <laughs> well, as long as this, it's, it's, uh, the firmware, the software is updatable, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, now, last week the news came through, and we ran out of time to talk about it um, around Microsoft Teams, which in in many ways is, uh, has been designed by Microsoft to compete uh, with Slack. And and I guess when I look at Microsoft today, uh, they are they're very keen to kind of own the own the crown as it were in terms of being that uh, that company that sells the the core business software that every business needs or the productivity tools so you know hence the the Microsoft Office 365 and you know it's not just Word Excel PowerPoint these days uh, you've got all sorts of, of bits and pieces some of those are based on acquisitions and they seem to seem to look at well what are the best tools in the market they went out and did that on uh, looking at uh, iPhone iOS what were the, the, the top productivity things they looked at the, the to-do list type out Application of which uh, Wonderlist seemed to be uh, the best rated. Um, Todoist had had somewhat similar, uh, you know, types of, of reviews. They dropped, I think, you know, a few, two or three hundred million uh, to buy Wonderlist. Beside, they've kept that running. Then beside it, they've built um, a variant that's built into Microsoft Office three six five uh, called Microsoft To Do, which is is now. It's taken them a few years to get there, but now is actually a very compelling offering with some quite nice, uh, unique features sort of integrated into their platform. They went and bought, uh, what was it, Sunrise, which was the top sort of calendaring app on on um, on iOS or the, the best rated one. And then around that, they built Microsoft Outlook for uh, you know for, for Android and uh, and iOS. Um, they didn't end up acquiring. Um, Slack or Trello, I think at least in in, in one of those cases, uh, it was mooted that they were they were going to try and do an acquisition. In the case of those two products, which have been uh, you know pretty popular out there in the market, uh, they've gone out and um, you know basically built competing uh, competing offerings. And it's uh, yeah, it's it's the the competing with Slack that's been in the in the news because they announced uh, la- uh, in the last. I guess a couple of weeks that they've reached 13 million uh, daily active users which appears to put them ahead of uh, of, of Slack when you look at uh, uh, the graphs of the, the, the data that's been shared by Slack who earlier on in the year I think talked about uh, 10 million daily active users. Now these are, these are two uh, tools that are designed for collaboration, chat uh, video calling document sharing, there's all sorts of ways in which they, they get uh, uh, they get utilised, but I guess this is where we're um, we're seeing the power of Microsoft's big user base and being able to roll these things out for 
for free to that existing yeah. user base that has a subscription um, allows them to move at pace when they've got a tool that um, fits and, and connects with what I guess their users are, are, are looking for because they, they don't always get that stuff right, but uh, they seem to be heading in the right direction. Um, interesting to know, we were talking before the show around uh, what used to be Link and then it became uh, Skype for Business and, and now it's one of the elements uh, of Microsoft Teams, their uh, you know, video well, and, 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 thinking, and audio calling capabilities. Thinking, um, after we stopped talking about that, I was yeah. thinking, whatever happened to unified comms? Because that would be part of this mix. Yes, and yet that's you right. don't hear that term anymore. That term's sort of gone, yeah. yeah but yeah, but yeah. even as recently as two years ago, that was still the coming thing. Mm, so mm. It's, it seems to have come, been and gone and um, passed away. I th- look, I think the thing is, is that Microsoft somehow, by stealth, over the last 10 years, since, since even when Barma was still in charge was morphing into very much an enterprise computing company all along. It just didn't appear to be that way because the stuff that we saw every day didn't look like they were enterprise tools. And to a degree, they still don't always look like they're enterprise tools. But it is. It's an enterprise computing company, and it's an enterprise product, and it's an enterprise thing. And they've just got that whole sector nailed. Um, No one comes close I mean, I can't think of I can't think of who would be a competitor. There are point competitors for little bits of the puzzle, but you get the whole thing from Microsoft, and it's so and you pay so much per seat per month to get all of that. Um, and you know, and that's probably why they why they're doing so well because that simplicity piece, isn't it? It's well, you, I was thinking you pay it's a bit that like price Netflix, and you get all these you know, bits and pieces. Same sort of ideas. Netflix is yeah. that you've got everything you need. Or you know, or pretty much everything you need. You've got the core because yeah. everybody needs other pieces outside of, of what Microsoft. But you've got the yeah. you've got the, most of it mm. for a fixed price per month, and you know what you're paying, and you know you don't need to go and buy these other things. Mm. And you've got to make a really good use case to say go and get Slack if you're a Microsoft enterprise. Um, you know, there may be reasons to get it, but you've got to come up with a really good case to get your execs. to to stump up extra per seat per month for something something like that and that means that nothing can come in and displace Microsoft from left field because they they're they're filling all the gaps and I, I guess that that that's been their strategy isn't it to yeah. to not just be Microsoft with their their office suite within the subscription and and SharePoint to store your files versus the the drop boxes and the boxes and 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 so on of this world but it's to actually yeah fill in fill in those gaps so a it's good value when you yeah. compare buying all the all the bits and pieces separately B it's integrated, and once once you've made that commitment to them for one reason or another, and you know, let's be realistic, most organisations need to have Microsoft Office for something, or their yeah. users, uh, their staff demand. You know, if they're on another on another uh, platform, G Suite and so on, there's usually a bunch of people that say, "Well, hey, I'm familiar with Microsoft Office. I want that to or be I have my to front have this end feature. This this aspect. Yep, yeah. And then, then once you get once you get that in, then then you very quickly get into a position where. Uh, 
you know, you're you're double paying for micro, the Microsoft suite plus these other tools, well, and at, and at some point, um, people want to simplify or they want to save some money. So yeah, um, but look, it's I, very well, interesting. I, I work on my own at home, and mm. I pay an annual subscription for Office three six five, the um, the Probably, small business version. Yeah, yeah. Word's no longer my number one writing tool, mm. Mm. Uh, but I need to use Word. Maybe once a week, maybe maybe more than once a week, because other people do. What do you like to write in? I write G Suite. I, I write in a else? thing. I write in something which is a um, a Markdown editor. Yeah, okay. So, so it's, that's I mean, reasonably niche, isn't it? Yeah, but it's yeah. but you see, I, I'm a, I'm a journalist. I don't, I don't need to fonts. I don't need to mm. make lay things out and so the on. Distraction just, more than anything, yeah, probably. Exactly. When you just want to write, you I don't just want to write. Don't want other. I don't even put crossheads or headings or bold or yeah. italics in my text. It's just text. Um, and you see, words got like I don't know five or six hundred things you can do with yeah. a character. I yeah. don't do any of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then on the other hand. Someone sends me a document in Word that needs an edit, and they want it, they want it tracked and traced, and mm. uh, and so on. Word's the tool to use. Mm. There are, there, you you can do that tracking in other tools, but Word's mm. it, it's just it just makes life easier to use Word when everyone else does. Um, and there they're playing on the, on the dominance that they that they yeah. built. You know, over over thirty years it's, or so, it's right? The water in which we swim, and uh, the, that's. Um, but they've only managed to to get into that position because they were losing it to to Google, right? They were they were they were starting to lose share because they yeah. didn't have a good they didn't have a good cloud play. It wasn't good for collaboration either, and they worked they worked very hard to get to a yeah. point where. And I, you know, I don't think their, their their tools are perfect, but they've worked to this point where, um, yeah, they they tick most of the boxes. They deliver a good enough experience in in most cases. And, they're good, and, they're, and it's and it's, I'm told that it's it's good from a management point of view, from managing the, the software and managing everything. So they've got that they've got that right. I mean, look, all credit to them. But what they're doing, I think, in this in this space with things like spaces and so on is and, and sorry, Slack, sorry, yep. teams, right? Yeah, I beg your pardon, teams. Yep. What I think they're doing is, I just think they're making sure that they're just making sure there's nothing missed. There's no gaps. There's no space for a, a competitor gaps, yeah. to come in and displace because Slack is Slack like Google could have been a Microsoft displacement tool. Mm. It could mm. be people could start. You know, writing all. I mean, I don't know if it's possible, but you could start using Slack to do a lot more than just messaging. Mm, absolutely, um, and I think also picking up GitHub as part of that as well. Yeah, yeah, that, that was an, an interesting maneuver in terms of uh, the, I guess, the developer community that uh, that that, yeah. that acquisition. Um, uh, you know, I guess for them to to pick up the odd business, especially when they're in the few hundred million to, and I can't remember how how much they spent on on GitHub. I think was it low billions in the end. Um, oh, it was a, it here, was a reasonable it was a reasonably substantial yeah. um, payday for uh, GitHub people. Uh, uh, <laughs> ac- acquisition. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll just see, I'm just I'm curious now. What was the the number up? Uh, Seven point five billion in Microsoft stock. So that that was no uh, 
no small no no small figure um, but I you know I think they're being quite strategic about the well, acquisitions they that they're making and the fact that they chose not to acquire uh, slack when you know I think that was that was potentially on the table um, must there must have been some very interesting discussions and in, inside Microsoft yeah. to basically decide we're going to build rather than buy. And if you look at some of their past acquisitions, and I think they've got better with this, but some of their past ones, they would acquire a business, and Yammer was one of those examples. And not integrate very and it well. And maybe didn't integrate very well. In fact, I, I, in fact, I think it was Rod Trury that told me uh, that, uh, that, that Xero uh, were on Yammer before Microsoft acquired it. And his experience was that it it seemed to go backwards in terms of yeah. capabilities after the uh, after the acquisition, and, and it's not just these days. You don't hear so much about Yammer as you used well, to. The thing is, the thing, the context of Microsoft is, of course, that the real business of Microsoft is this year. That's the thing that matters, and um, the real battle is with AWS and, to a lesser degree, with Google. Um, and this is Microsoft's point of difference. Owning this enterprise application space, things like the collaborative tools and so on, that's something, that's, a, that's an area where Amazon just doesn't play. But it gives Microsoft an opportunity to get into those accounts. Well, Amazon are trying to. I mean, they, they do have some offerings there, but their, their market share is, is, is so uh, tiny that yeah. they're, there's. They're, there are very few people you come across that are using them at, at this stage, and I think it's it's very difficult to displace yeah. uh, Microsoft in that in that space. Maybe if yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not sure what the uh, you know what the answer is for those those competing products because there are there are a range. You know, M- Amazon have have some offerings. You know, obviously G Suite, um, Zoho are in there with with theirs. Oh, they, well, they've Zoho, taken a, Zoho a, a quite quite a Amazon, quite a quite a different approach. Zoho have yeah. have taken is they're trying to fill a lot of the smaller holes. So they've got yeah, probably much more products in some ways that, than Microsoft in terms of um, the the bits. And, well, maybe I'm exaggerating there, but in terms of the fact that you can pay a, a, a single relatively low price to get access to, you know, I don't know, a yeah. you know, number of dozen uh, well, you know, uh, software-as-a-service products. The, the thing is, is that it's going to be a reverse self. From it's going to work the other way from Microsoft. Microsoft are going to have accounts that have everything Microsoft. And by the way, Mister, you know, CEO of large corporation, it's about time you move your cloud stuff in with us. I think that's the. I think that's what their business is about. Well, they um, they recently uh, announced results. They they seem to be uh, not advancing at quite the same pace uh, with the with with Azure. So um, they, they may have to work a little bit harder. A lot of a lot of their wins would have been quite natural with people already being uh, their customers, and they're already you know maybe migrating you know servers to the cloud, and maybe companies that weren't really uh, tied in with AWS or, or Google and those, those you know, very closely held customers, but that, that seems to be slowing off a little bit. About, about 10 years ago, though, I remember writing f- more than one story along the lines of, does Microsoft really matter anymore? Does it? And it, it, it was beginning to look like it didn't matter. Mm. You wouldn't mm. have that conversation today. No. Um, no. You know, probably, I mean, we, we talked about the fangs, 
Funny mm. that Microsoft's not actually on that no, list. No, they weren't on that but list. They damn well ought to be, in fact. Weren't cool enough kids to be on that list. Yeah, but in <laughs> fact, Microsoft should probably be on there where Netflix... Yeah, well, they've they've hit the you know they've hit, they've they've hit the um, the spot as the um, yeah, having the biggest biggest market cap versus yeah. uh, Apple and 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 Amazon. There's certainly uh, yeah ongoing movement there. All right, on to uh, on to other topics now. Um, face apps seem to attract a lot of a, a, attention uh, last week around people uploading their photos and then you get a, you know, a variation of yourself that's uh, X number of years older than your. Or, um, your current age, and I've got to no, say, the, really the, like the, yeah. the 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 results on it look, um, uh, you know, pretty pretty impressive in terms of you know the the, the likeness well, changes. And, I'm going to tell you something, so Paul. I, I saw an app like that. It wasn't an app at the time. It wasn't called an app because it ran on a mini computer. But I saw something very similar to that. 90s, early 90s. Yeah. Was, um, IBM had a, IBM had something which it was pushing around at that time. Mm. And it was mm. actually how you'll look in 30 years' time. Mm. Um, and guess what? It's about 30 years ago <laughs> since I um, um, since I I was done by yeah. IBM. Yeah. I don't actually look at all like I looked in that picture. Yeah, yeah. I'm not as wrinkly, but I am heavier. So Right. Oh, that's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, but, yeah, we've got used to having these apps and tools that will, uh, you know, do uh, uh, you know, something with our photos or share them and, and, and so on. But, but these days it's all about sucking you in to gather information of some sort or another. Yes, and this, this, was, this was the uh, the the interesting one here is a sort of quite a big uproar around, well, you shouldn't be you know sharing your face with them. There are a lot of people highlighting that they're a Russian uh, business and just what the terms of service meant. And yeah, I mean, I think there's a sort of a whole rabbit hole there you could go down, and and not not just in terms of you know th- this one one particular um, app, because it's it's not just you know face app that we oh. give our data to, and. Yeah, you, you often see sort of, uh, you know, it might be local celebrities in New Zealand sort of complaining that their, uh, that their photo, you know, a photo of them has ended up being used in some advertisement or something. Um, there, there certainly is an element here where, yeah, you, you're quite likely, uh, you know, licensing or handing over a license to your image. And uh, the the terms of service aren't always uh, quite what you might expect. So if your face did appear in an ad later on, um, look, you you may have licensed it to them, and maybe they can uh, they can on license it. Now, I'm well, not saying that's necessarily the case. I think um, here because I haven't not necessarily a contract either. Yeah, I, I mean, I have a certain <laughs> yeah, true, true, and I haven't necessarily sort of delved into that. But um, you know, so so far, I, you know, I've. I've enjoyed having a look at, at, at friends and other people having put their faces um, up, but I um, I ha- haven't uh, haven't chosen to do so myself at this uh, at this stage. But yeah. it is fascinating the sorts of things that people uh, that people will put online. In fact, I was watching a uh, a YouTube last week, and it was somebody sort of doing a, a little bit of a how to video, and uh, he jumped back to his desktop where you could see his file system. And you see previews of all of his files and this. You know, a photo of his ID. Uh, there's all, all sorts.
sorts of unusual and in some cases somewhat dodgy stuff uh, in, in his file system. He's just put it up on YouTube and uh, uh, and and away he goes. So I think you know, in general, people have just got pretty relaxed, and you know, who of us sits there and will spend. Uh, an hour going through a terms of service for an app or uh, well, you know, takes it and forwards it off I, to a, a lawyer for an opinion. I think there's another point to make here, right, is that in a sense what the guy behind the face app was doing was a, a form of social engineering, which is exactly the same sort of technique which is used by scammers and thieves and you know, online crooks and so on. It, just, it turns out that this probably isn't crooked. But, he's, but some of those sort of pushing various buttons, emotional buttons with people, in order to get them to do something, is exactly the same thing. You know, it's just a wake-up call to just be a little more careful and a little bit more aware and just perhaps be a little bit less prone to being pushed around by those being triggered, basically, by emotion, you know, by calls to your emotions. Mm, mm, mm. Um now, one thing, just flipping back um, to to Netflix, while, uh, while I remember there was a related story to that that came through last week, um, saying that Netflix are launching a mobile-only streaming plan in India. Now, I remember... You know, Sky did that in New Zealand, right? They, With they, Vampos, yeah, yeah uh, they launched a sort of streaming on your on your phone and uh, only. And I'm not, I'm not sure who was the first to do this around the world, but uh, you know, we hadn't. It's not it wasn't something we'd really heard too much about happening anywhere. Um, but now that Netflix are doing it, suddenly sort of becomes uh, quite mainstream, and. Yeah, I, I just find this fascinating. I think they're talking about. I don't, actually, I'm not sure if we've got a we've got a figure on what um, uh, what what the price is. Um, but they were going to limit the, uh, the the resolution and and the quality yeah. and so on um, well, to be able to bring the price is, points down because Netflix isn't able to compete in a bunch of these well, markets if they don't have a lower price point. Well, right? the other thing is that India is India is has like best part of a billion phones and not many desktop computers mm, in comparison mm. and not much desktop connectivity compared with uh, mobile networks mm, either mm. so that's probably it. I, I when i saw that story i thought will their net will their mobile network be able to cope with a billion people watching you know films on netflix i i don't know i mean if the resolution's low enough maybe but um, I, I, I'm sure that Indian f- mobile phone users have data caps, right? So how much Netflix can you watch on your mobile phone, you know, each month before your data you hit your data cap? I don't, I don't know the answer to those mm, questions. Mm. I just was thinking about those things. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, one company we have spoken about in the past is uh, is iFlix. Uh, they're, they're in a bunch of uh, countries, you know, across Asia. Came in at a much lower price point to uh, to Netflix, uh, possibly even as low as uh, three three US dollars. Um, you know, per per month, maybe, 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 maybe even, maybe even two. It's probably a day's you know, wages in those countries. One, 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 yeah, maybe even less. Uh, and 
yeah, quite you know, quite quite interesting to see. So I guess Netflix now are trying to work out well, how do we get into those uh, those markets that we you know have been beaten to the punch by the likes of iFlix and and so on, and they will be looking for how they deliver uh, those lower. Uh, priced offerings, I suppose. Next, so yeah, that's uh, that that's part of it, and you know, I think it's uh, good good to see uh, yeah, new th- new things being experimented with. Some of them uh, will, uh, you know, I guess pan out in different ways in terms of just uh, uh, just how good they are. Yeah, I'm just having a look here. So, looking at the Philippines market. Uh, the price of iFlix versus Netflix. iFlix comes in at uh, looks like about a third of the price, oh. and we're looking at equivalent of three dollars seventy five uh, New Zealand a month. So that's under. Um, well, it's probably around two dollars, two dollars uh, fifty US. US. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that 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 sort of price point. But yeah, I'm sure that makes a a huge deal of diff- uh, you know, a huge uh, difference for local consumers who aren't necessarily in a position to be uh, to be stumping up for Netflix. Whereas in our market, it's um, yeah, not so much of a, a a big deal for people. Well, the thing, but one of the things about our market is we'll be watching the same content as people in the rest of the English-speaking world, whereas I guess that in India, there's, it's, and it's not just one language either, is it? It's, there's no. multiple languages. Mm, mm. So, you know, so they would need, they would probably need some unique content that's got to be produced at a cost. So, yeah. Um, so it's not, it's not a free, it's not, it's not sort of extra for Netflix. It's, mm, uh, mm. you know, there's a whole model to create and make sure that it works. Yep. Um, now I've got a few other bits and bits and pieces to uh, to, to chat through. What one headline that did uh, did yeah, catch my my attention uh, was Microsoft were talking about what was the, their headline on their uh, blog was new cyber threats require new ways to protect uh, democracy, and they they were talking. Uh, yeah, a, 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 range, a range of things, but one of the things that they uh, they had highlighted was that uh, nearly ten thousand of their uh, customers had been either targeted or compromised uh, by nation state attacks. And when you know, they say uh, customers, do they mean an enterprise customer, or do they mean a consumer? That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Because I don't, I didn't see uh, a clear break. Breakdown on that actually, which is a really good point. Yeah. I talked to HP's HPE now, HP mm. Enterprise Security mm. people mm. about uh, this a few years ago, and they were talking about how pretty much the same story, and they were saying that hundreds of thousands of um, computers have been compromised by um, by nation state actors. Mm. Um, or countries, as we used to call them in the old days. Yeah, yeah, but like, pe- but people <laughs> acting as proxies for yeah. their governments. So, yep, yep, so it right. won't mean in some countries there'll be a government team of people sitting in a bunker. Mm. In other places, it will be outsourced, you know, to gangs even. Mm. Um, mm. But um, um, 
the, the scale of that apparently is is vast and you're more you're just as likely and the other thing is, is that there's there's also a kind of um gray line between the out and out computer crims and the state actors so um you know that the motivated in, in in slightly different ways and certainly the 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 concept of trying to interfere with with an election is one that can have some pretty yeah. huge consequences for uh you know in all sort of directions but you, you can see uh why certain countries would uh, would love to be able to manipulate the outcomes and uh and, and uh, indeed from what we hear that's uh, that's exactly what uh, what goes on with some of the biggest elections uh, and referendums mm, mm, yeah mm. yeah so, yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the amount of difference it makes, whether a, a Brexit goes through or not, or uh, who la- who who wins a U.S. election, uh, you know, I imagine that would be pretty hard to well, uh, to, to calculate. The other, thing that, the other thing that about that is you don't need to affect many people. I mean, you only got to affect things a couple of percent in the centre. Yes, that's swing it. one way or the other, and mm. you've won it. So, yeah, yeah. Um, now Huawei being in the in the uh, media again, uh, Bill. I saw uh, saw a you know a, a, a piece today. Seems the the mainstream media are you know very are very keen to sort of lap up any uh, uh, any 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 stories. Last week, um, or maybe it was a couple of weeks ago, uh, there was a, a piece about around. Um, uh, some conf- uh, uh, study into uh, into CVs, uh, resumes of uh, Huawei staff, and and apparently some um, unusual you know crossover between uh, roles with military and roles with Huawei. Now, you know, I think you know, I don't think that was a secret. Though. Huawei. Well, they, they certainly sort of seem to push back and said, "Hey, you know, we're not employing people who are also employed by the uh, yeah. the, 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 uh, the military." It was it's no secret that some of the early people in Huawei did come out of the. Chinese oh, they, they military. came from them, yeah. Um, but but the idea of having them employed them uh, maybe story, both at once was me today was, was is the one that Huawei's been active in North Korea. Yes, that, that that's huge news, isn't it? But you see, I, and whilst I think there's. Whilst I think there's probably something in both those stories, um, they might that might actually not be news. That might I mean that might be something that we've know that's been known for a while, and it's just being presented behind, now behind the scenes. Yeah, because it's it's part of building up an entire picture. My feeling for Huawei is it's going to be hard for Huawei to come back into Western markets anyway. It's looking increasingly. I mean. Difficult with the with this. I mean, these types of stories. I mean, it it did seem after Trump's uh, you know announcements that things yeah. were were about to soften. But you see things like this, and if they can be you know backed up, yeah. um, it's just it doesn't doesn't reflect well um, the, on on their way of uh, their their way of operating. The saddest thing of all is, I think, in the last year. Huawei were probably reached a point where they were there was there was little question they were making the best Android phones. I think. Oh, Um, I mean, right, right now it's um, you know, like anyone, their their devices aren't perfect all the time at everything, but they are they are you know right there at the at the top in terms of their uh, in terms of their capabilities and and, 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 and the bang for buck certainly around the. 
the cameras. I mean, really across you know a, a whole range of things, they've seemed to uh, have stacked up very, very well. And in fact, there, there was a story around uh, um, patents um, or yeah, if, if, uh, uh, trademark, should I say, uh, for their next uh, Mate phone, the Mate uh, Mate Thirty, and uh, uh, some commentary saying, "Oh, it looks like they're uh, you know they're about to." Um, you know, can continue what they've been doing in terms of coming up with, um, you know, very very capable phones yeah. from a, a, a performance the, and, and capability the, the perspective. Product, the product's a very good product, and and the company does some wonderful things with its networking hardware. But you know, a picture's starting to emerge, I think. And whilst there's probably some innuendo, some of it, yes, in some cases, some of the things that they're doing, which are which have been viewed with um, in, as a negative are things their competitors are doing you know the, I don't think their competitors are all squeaky clean I think there's some some of it is some of it is um, nationalism and possibly even racism about China some of it is competitive stuff from companies that would, which um, are jealous of Huawei's success and would like some of it themselves you know all those things are in the mix despite all that Whatever you think about the quality of the product, and maybe about you know how how good that company is, it's still going to be hard to come back from here. It's going to be really hard to come back from this point, and um, it may be that Huawei has to sort of find itself in a shell in um, in countries outside Western Europe and the US and North America, Australia, and New Zealand. I think that could be. What, what it's facing um, and it's certainly not going to get any easier quickly for Huawei yeah. well I, I still think a lot of it will hinge on what what the US does uh, you know, if they if they took their take their foot off Huawei's neck, as a, as 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 it were, Huawei doesn't sell much in the US anyway. Though. No, but it's more about you know ac- access to yeah. Google and the chips yeah. and you know full full Android and the Google Play Store and so on. I mean, from a general consumer's point of view, and we, when we've gone back to, I mean, I'm seeing a lot of Huawei devices, uh, you know, being sold in, in stores. You know, certainly there's some cut, you know, some cut prices on uh, on on existing stock. But you know, I think often a consumer will just look at it, and in some ways, quite rightly so, and will say, well, what what gives me the best capabilities and best bang for the buck, and and you know, right now. Um, there's some pretty good deals to be had on the on there the are. Huawei product, but, is, but, but Paul, this is not like Samsung's exploding phones. This is no, this, it's, this goes much deeper. Yes, and and the problem is is like I say, what whatever your views on Huawei as a company, and whatever your views on whether some of this stuff is just propaganda and trouble, and. I, I can't tell you either way. I, I can't. I can't come down on one side or the other on that. It's still going to damage the brand. It's going to hurt that brand a lot. And I, I agree. And it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a hard road back from here. But I'm not sure how badly it will damage. And I guess that that as a yeah. No, could, okay. I could all wake up tomorrow and, and find that you know it's, it, a lot of this was nonsense. I, I think if the pressure comes off from the US and the you know they're, they're restored to be able to buy what they need, they can release this their, their, their next um, you know phone in terms of the Mate Thirty, and they can you know keep bringing through new phones. 
you know, I think there's still going to be a lot of noise around just how good the stuff, and maybe they'll drop their prices a, yeah. a, a, well, a little bit, and that and that'll play into it. They might not make so much profit, but, but that's uh, something they can do. The other thing is, is that their phones in in New Zealand they're not they they're number three, but they're actually quite a long way behind number one and two. So, I mean, in very round numbers, um, Samsung is by far number one. And Samsung and Apple are around about 80% of the market, depending on you know how you measure it and, mm. and certain things. The remainder are all single digits. And I think Huawei is probably the biggest of those single digits. But it's still, you know, it's still less than 10% of the market. So it's a shame. It's, it's bad. They're, gr- they're great phones. But it's not going to change. It's not like number one's gone. You know, if Sam, if 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 Samsung was in this position, it would change the shape of our market. But there's 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 a huge amount of competition. Yeah. You know, benefit that they bring to the New Zealand market. Can you recall whose figures those were? I thought the last uh, figure I saw was putting them around twenty percent of the New Zealand market. But uh, that that's that's from what you're saying. I'm uh, my memory yeah, is, is way off. Um, I I. Could tell you who those numbers were, but I'd have to okay. kill you. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, okay. I, I've just done a Google for um, yeah. NZ Huawei market share. Yeah. This is June 2019. Out of well, this is Stat Counter, which is yeah. is I think probably drawing it from from browser information. They're, they're showing 14.72, yeah. but the the next ones uh, down from there, uh, Oppo. And Xiaomi with virtually a tenth of Huawei's market share. So yeah, so yeah, there's um, some pretty pretty interesting figures. That's moved there. quite a bit, but that, that, that squares what I said about twenty percent. Is I mean, sorry, that twenty percent is not Samsung and Apple. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, oh, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure about these uh, stats because this has got well, this has got Apple in the forefront. So I think this comes from actual usage, yeah. browser usage, yeah, which is quite different to actual market share. Because because the, the other brand that's the other brand that counts in New Zealand is Vodafone. Vodafone's yeah. branded phones. So yeah. so um, um, I, off the t- I say off the top of my head, I think Huawei is a. About nine or ten percent, but I, I I think it's just in the very high single digits. Mm, mm. But but that that changes. I mean, the information I've got is at yeah. least six months old. So um, one one season of phones can change that. Mm. Um, those numbers. Um, yeah, apparently twenty nine point five percent in China. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, interesting times. Now back to uh, back to back to uh, New Zealand. Just as we we come to uh, to wrap up, uh, we talked about more pork being um, sold by Spark, um, and the, the government have um, uh, plans around sort of management of drones in New Zealand. So we, we we're going to ultimately see uh, some new legislation uh, coming through. Um, they say that there's um, 77,000 drones in uh, use in New Zealand uh, and there's there's a concern there are concerns around privacy and and safety uh, certainly we, we have some issues from time to time I think on the privacy yeah. front we, you know we hear stories on that front uh, safety is something that that I think it you know it, is is really important that we get this stuff right, um, 
you know, there was the uh, the story in London of uh, Gatwick getting uh, yes. uh, getting shut down and, and then it not being clear whether there were drones up at all there or not. So, uh, and then in US you've got uh, exclusion zones, as, as we do in New Zealand to a degree, uh, but there they've sort of, you know, they've, they've um, uh, sort of insisted that manufacturers bake into their software uh, these exclusion zones. So if you take an off-the-shelf, say, a DJI drone, uh, that it wouldn't be able to fly into the, into the White House type area, as as I think happened in the past, or into other uh, you know other other particular areas. So yeah, there are some quite interesting uh, you know potential solutions to some of these uh, things. And then we've had you know I think it was uh, you know when National was in government, uh, you know Simon Simon Bridges uh, being shown. There uh, with a pizza delivery uh, yeah. you know, drone example, They're those sort of PR type stunts that, that get done. Stunt, yeah. uh, but there, there, there is some real potential for uh, for drones to be used a lot more commercially than, some, than what I've they heard are of today. Some really good applications, which we don't really have time to talk about now. But um, there are some fabulously good um, applications, which are, and some of them are things that are only in New Zealand things as well. Um, the farm uses and in agriculture, yeah, yeah, yeah and there's yeah, stories about you know drones going to call the cows in and so on. Um, well, you pair, pair that with AI, and um, you know away away you go. It can be your uh, your virtual sheepdog and all sorts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I think yeah, very very uh, very interesting, uh, very interesting time times uh, times ahead, Bill. Oh, well, one other thing that um, you you'd mentioned that had been in the news was uh, just as we wrap up, um, Apple. Uh, it's being suggested that. They're looking to acquire Intel's modem uh, business for around around a billion US uh, yeah, which, dollars. Given the size of the two companies, it's small change. You know, it's amazing when you think of a billion dollars as being small change. But for Apple and Intel, it's small change. But what's important about this is is two things: is that Intel, which has been struggling in, oh, yeah. in recent years, yeah, yeah. Um, tried to get into the mobile modem market um, and kind of failed really uh, it's a big project but the problem was is that apple had um apple had a dispute with its own supplier chip supplier uh, which which got quite feral in places um they, they seem to have sorted things out yeah they seem to sort of things good, out but good but, friends but with apple buying intel basically means that apple is no longer dependent on bringing outside technology for a key component of its phones. That's the important thing there. And so for a billion dollars, that's actually quite a bargain from their point of view. Of course, the technology is not working yet. It's not ready yet. <laughs> but it means it'll be it'll mean bringing people in-house and they'll be able to get them to drink the Apple Kool-Aid and... They would be able to control their own destiny a bit more, yeah, won't they? The around their the, around the iPhones, yeah. and, it, and it gives them more or the potential to either get to market quicker or to differentiate themselves, maybe a little bit more than, than other players. Potentially cutting yeah. cutting costs because they have such a big uh, a big share of the market, and uh, and that's probably an aspect where Huawei have worked quite well because they're, they're yeah. making so many bits well, that, and pieces well, yeah, themselves. Exactly, right, exactly one of Huawei's strengths. But the other mm. thing is, is that it means that Apple can probably integrate it more closely as well it's it no longer becomes a, a component that has to be shipped in it could be you know integrate baked into the 
you know the overall integration inside the phone much easier than it would have been in the past so um it's it's just a it's just a tidying up thing from apple's point of view really We'll just drop a billion dollars here and uh, t- tidy things up a little bit, Bill. Yeah, well, uh, well let's, let's go out and do it, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> well, inter- interesting times, Bill. Very nice to catch up and to uh, to chat through some of these uh, topics. Where do people track you down online to catch up with some of your latest journalism and, and, and uh, stories? I mean, you've been all across the media recently, and, and um, but it probably means you've been too busy to do too much on your own blog. I have. And I've, I'm guilty as charged. I've, I don't think I've posted anything for a month now. Um, but if but uh, billbennett.co.nz, and it will come back. I won't always be this busy. Um, you can also find me on Twitter, uh, billbennettnz. Um, but... I'm everywhere. <laughs> everywhere good things are found. <laughs> Excellent. Well, great great to see you, Bill. And thanks, everybody, for uh, for listening in. And we'll catch you again uh, with our next show next week. You can uh, track us down online, nztechpodcast.com. We are um, committing to doing at least half of our shows now online so if you'd like to catch the live stream video which tends to come through on facebook uh, then go to facebook.com slash nz tech podcast and uh, yeah, subscribe away there and then you'll get those alerts i know we've got uh, yeah, some of those who have traditionally listened to the show through the podcast uh, that will now uh, catch it maybe live uh, depending on what time we're we're going live or, or very uh, very soon thereafter catching uh, catching a little bit of the uh, the video but very much the, the lion's share of you do uh, do listen through a usual podcasting app and that's just fine too all right thanks everyone i'm paul spain signing out see ya the new zealand tech podcast brought to you by gorilla technology proactive and strategic it